Good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded the service. If you live in an area where DirecTV service is not available or you're a student actively enrolled in a college or university, you can now get NFL Sunday ticket without a satellite. Plus, there's an exclusive student discount. To see if you're eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Packages are also available for football fans living in areas where DirecTV service is not available. Again, that's promo code RINGER, R-I-N-G-E-R, at checkout to save 15%. And we're also brought to you by Sonos. Meet the Sonos Beam, the smart, compact soundbar for your TV. Beam lets you play everything you love from music and radio to movies, TV, podcasts, podcasts, GM Street, and more. All with that rich sound that fills the room. It's super simple to set up, but if you don't even want to bother, Sonos will send someone to do it for you. That's right. If you live in any major metropolitan area, up and running will have a Sonos expert deliver and set up your system absolutely free. I'm so excited for Sonos to come and bring that beam to my house and set it all up. I, I, I want to get up and running. I'm ready for it to happen. So just order right now from Sonos.com and select up and running at checkout if you qualify. Again, that is Sonos.com. Select up and running at checkout if you qualify. And now, GM Street. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Friday. It is September 7th. And after 45 minutes of a weather delay, football was back. The 2018 NFL season is finally here. Michael Lombardi is on the line. Lombardi, how's it going? Oh, you know, Tate Frazier, things are good. I just love watching my man last night, the Atlanta Falcons. Nothing changes. As the Yogi Berra would say, it's deja vu all over again. It keeps happening. Steve Sharkeesian is still there, uh, a man that we really enjoyed in the playoffs last year. The Falcons fans probably did not enjoy as much, but we did here on this program. Uh, Matt Ryan did not enjoy himself last night. Uh, a 57.4 passer rating, no touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Nick Foles didn't do himself any favors, 170, 117 passing yards for him. Uh, we had zero total yardage uh, after the first quarter from the defending Super Bowl champion, so we had some boos in the crowd. Uh, we had a lot of penalties. Uh, we didn't have many many great moments. Moments. We did have a moment with Julio Jones and the catch rule coming back, uh, and it feels like NFL football is finally here, Lombardi. What, what are your first thoughts on seeing these two teams uh, take on Thursday night? Well, you know, it's funny. When you watch Matt Ryan last year play against Philly, he had the second-worst yards per attempt in the season. And last night, he did the same thing again. Now, last year, he didn't have a pass play over 25 yards. Last night, he did. But it seems to me... Like, other than the first quarter when the game plan started and Sarkeesian had a couple ideas on what he was going to do, once Jim Schwartz, the defense coordinator of the Eagles, kind of saw the plan, he made his adjustments, and the Falcons really struggled from there on out. I mean, the decision to not kick the field goal early in the game was was dazzling. I mean, first of all, here's what drives you crazy. People blame the play. If you're going to go for it on fourth down, and you know it, you can't call that third down play you got to make mm-hmm. third down something else. But clearly they were operating on a line item basis. So as soon as they didn't get it on third down, Quinn says go for it on fourth. Well, to me, that's a head coaching error. Quinn should have told Sarkeesian, hey, look, you're in four down territory. We're going for it. So call your plays accordingly. Not that it was going to matter because the way Sarkeesian calls plays in the red zone is beyond baffling. 
So we got five Falcons red zone trips. That's what we got. And we only get 12 points out of those. Uh, for a lot of people that are watching this game, it, it did feel like once we got to the second half, we got a little bit of legs underneath us. We got Julio Jones, who ends up with 169 receiving yards, uh, was obviously the bright spot. We got a nice end around early in the game where you could see uh, they were trying to do a little bit of uh, deception. And then we obviously saw the Eagles. They pull out. They, they said it was not the Philly special, um, obviously, because, you know, Burton is now gone. He's in Chicago. So it wasn't it wasn't quite the Philly special. They said it was actually an homage to the play that the Patriots tried to run with Tom Brady against them in the Super Bowl. Um, but we got a lot of trick plays coming out of this game. We got a missed PAT. Um, there, there was just so much to, to really digest in this game. But I think the, the, the real star of this game and the real storyline of this game, right, is, is the fact that Matt Ryan, the $30 million man, um, he looked a little lost out there, right, Lombardi? I, I don't want to take it too far, but it, it did seem like he was having a rough uh, opening to the season. Yeah, I mean, his arm did not look good. You know, he nothing looked good. Look, he's been trending downward. Last year, he averaged a yard and a half, yard point six less than he did with Kyle Shanahan. Now, yeah, with his MVP say, well, year. Yep. Yards per attempt. I mean, he, and, you know, last night he didn't have control of the football. He wasn't throwing it with great velocity, nor with accuracy that he needed to make. And and he really wasn't one of. The, I mean, some of the sacks he took were baffling. Look, the one thing you can't do, a young quarterback knows, you can take a sack, you know, at your own twenty. Okay, fine, you're holding the ball. But when you get down in the red zone and you could be out of field goal range, luckily they made that 52. You take a sack there, you can't do it. You take a sack in two minutes, you know you can't do it. There's parts of the field the quarterback has to know you can't take sacks. And when you look at what Sark was trying to do, first of all, he's got Julio Jones, who they're doubling in the red zone, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you know you're getting doubled by Julio Jones, why wouldn't you put him in a stack? Why wouldn't you put him where you clustered him, where they had to put all their players, and then work one side against somebody who wasn't as good? They were going to tilt the field. I mean, Julio gives you the advantage of knowing what the coverage is, and yet Sark just put five receivers out there and gave them no decoys, no misdirections. The score in the red zone, I think what the Eagles did in the red zone was brilliant. They motion a guy across, they fake a reverse, they run the ball inside. It's misdirection. It causes the defense to have to stop and think and displace that allows you to score. It, to me, Dan Quinn has to shoulder a lot of the blame because he's watched Sark for two years now, and he came back. He watched him for a year, and he came back with him this year, and nothing's changed. And we should say, uh, going into you know last season, Sarkeesian took over uh, for Shanahan, and, and he was calling a lot of stock plays, a lot of generic plays that we had seen on offense. And a lot of people thought that was just you know kind of a holdover. You know, just like sort of he was in a lame duck situation. He was a holdover until he could implement his own type of offense and, and get this thing rolling with the Falcons. I mean, the best play that they ran was that end around to Julio Jones early in the game, uh, at least the most inventive play for, from that perspective. And then from there, uh, yeah, it but seemed you know what's like funny they, about that, Tate Frazier? I can't even believe he ran it. That's the play he was going to open up the game with and they got the five yard penalty and they actually ran that play right mm -hmm. and you could see Julio come around but they got called because he had the illegal procedure and so he ran a different play on second on first down and then he came back with it again like why not even just flip the formation like it just shows you like the guys he's calling plays like he's in college which is really what he is he's a college coach he's not been able to adapt to the pro game whatsoever he runs plays it's all battleship football you know G3 hit G4 miss. Okay, we'll try this. There's no rhyme or reason. He's not attacking the scheme of the defense. And I'm sure Matt Ryan can't be happy. I mean, look, you can, you know, we can pick on them all we want, but they're tolerating it. Atlanta seems to think it's the right thing to do. And there's people around the, the country, there's media commentators that think Sark could be a next head coach in the NFL. Good luck. 
Yeah, and it's one of those weird situations where it isn't like we have a, a Ditka and Buddy Ryan situation where we have a, a, a defensive mastermind over here and an offensive mastermind over here. Dan Quinn is obviously known for you know building up the Legion of Boom and, and handling the the defense, the Atlanta defense. But there is no other guy that is going to take over and, and handle that offense, it seems like, right now in that room, other than Matt Ryan. So that's why a lot of people were having eyes on him. I do want to talk about it. It took 40 minutes in this game for us to get a touchdown, and the guy that does give us that touchdown is J.J., uh, a guy that had two the entire season last year and it did seem like he got his legs underneath him as this game wore on uh it was able to show some signs of of life on that eagles offense because we saw it once again from the preseason translated right into the real season and we talked about the fact that the preseason is almost the first four weeks of the season anyway but this eagles offense this first team offense i mean they struggled mightily uh early on in this game no doubt. I mean, and they have all summer. I mean, look, they have. They don't have the same power. I think they missed LeBlunt's power. I think a giant Blunt were a really good combination. Darren Sproles did not look like the Darren Sproles of old, and we're going to give him mm-hmm. time because he's coming back. They all said he would look good, but the first route he ran when they put him in the slot, he didn't separate from the defender. There was no real juice in his game. It's got to concern you. I think the Eagles are a work in progress. And look, the Eagles did something that you always want to be able to do at least three or four times during the season, which is not play well and still win. And they were able to accomplish that. Nick Foles didn't play very well. Thank God for their defense. Their red zone defense was good. But I think this is really the the missing the missing part no one's talking about is Schwartz clearly outcoached Sarkeesian when it comes to defense. It's not even close. And that's the difference we, in the game. And it and if you're the Falcons and you're a Falcon fan and you're gonna play the Mike Zimmers, you're gonna play the Jim Schwartzes, you're gonna play the Wade Phillips, the good coordinators, they're gonna make you play this way and you're not gonna have an answer for them. Is there any coach just uh, just out there in your head? I mean, it, you know, we see like a Jim Bob Cooter, right? That's in Detroit, and he's basically in charge of the offense, and he has Stafford, and they have a good thing rolling. But is, is there a guy out there? Obviously, Shanahan is the best example that led to Matt Ryan's MVP year, but it does seem like there needs to be a, a guy to kind of take over that Atlanta offense and sort of set him straight because a lot of times, like you mentioned in the red zone, they were predetermined that they're going to throw it to Julio. And, you know, you got Hooper, you got Sanu, you got these other guys, you got Freeman, you got, you got all these other guys that are weapons down there, but it seems like they take them out of the offense. And and even a couple of times, I think it was four plays in the red zone that Julio wasn't even on the field. Um, right, no, it, no doubt. It, 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 I mean, yeah. look, Sark doesn't understand how to attack the adjustments in the coverage. That's very clear. And that's what Josh McDaniels is so good at doing. That's what the really good offensive coaches do. Kyle Shanahan, I think you go back to what Jalen Ramsey said about when he was making fun of Jimmy Garoppolo, and he said it was all just scheme, man. Yeah, well, what he was really saying was they attacked our scheme in a way that made it difficult for us. And that's what Kyle's able to do. That's what Josh McDaniels does. Look at the Patriots, okay? The Patriots always come in the red zone. They want to get an indicator. What does that mean? What they do is they'll take James White and they put him out in the formation. They put him out there and somebody, and whoever goes to cover him, if it's a linebacker, Brady knows he's in man. If the corner just walks out to him, Brady knows there's some form of zone. He brings White back in. Now he changes the play to what he wants to run based on his indicator. Now, really good coaches like Wade and Jim Schwartz, they kind of mess around with the indicators at times. So Brady's got to be on his toes. But for the most part, they know exactly what they're trying to do before they snap the ball in the red zone and how they want to attack it and attack the adjustments. This is something that's not happening in Atlanta. He's just running plays. He's got the best wide receiver in football. Now, here's the other question. Where's Calvin Ridley? Where mm-hmm. I'm told Calvin Ridley has, had, had, you know, has not been very impressive this summer, hasn't separated and obviously it looks like it because they can't get the ball. They drafted Calvin really to take the pressure off of Julio Jones. It wasn't there. 
And it was very interesting too, right? Before we got into this game, and I guess the the hype leading up to this game, we heard so much about you know, watch out for Julio and Calvin Ridley. You know, that's a one-two combo to look out for. You know, Ridley, obviously, was a little bit marred in the national title game, but Alabama still won, so, you know, no one really had anything to say. But he goes catchless in week one. Uh, he doesn't really show any signs of, of, of life, really, for, for this offense. And then Julio, I mean, let's talk about Julio. So Julio has this amazing game, 169 yards, but it seemed like it, it was a carbon copy of what exactly happened in the playoffs, which was, Poor execution in the red zone, not being able to get plays, uh, you know, basically things to fall the right way. And uh, the biggest play in this game was the catch. Uh, He had a very Willie Mays like uh, grab along the sideline uh, and and they ended up challenging uh, and ended up losing it because he did not have control. Um, We did have a couple officials that came out and said that they thought that he did pin the ball to his shoulder, which would have given him control. But there were other people that thought the ball moved. So therefore, he did not have it secured before he, he goes out of bounds. I mean, how much is this you know, just nitpicky at this point, Lombardi? And is this, is this good, bad, or, or, or whatever for fans? Because I know a lot of people were upset about this play getting called back. I thought it was a catch. I mean, look, let's just go back to the standard rule we all believe in. You know, the, the, the GM Street rule of catches. If 20 guys in a bar think it's a catch, it's a catch. Okay. I think we just should, you know, there should be like, you remember, you're probably too young to remember. Remember that show where <laughs> they would ask questions and you could ask for a lifeline, you know, or you could call a friend or one of those things? Oh, yeah. Come on. It, who wants to be a millionaire? Three yeah, lifelines. Okay. Right. I we think that's what we should do. The, the NFL should like have, like in every city, they should have a bar. Right? And they should have a bar that they go to that they knows watching every game. And they should buzz that bar and be able to say, okay, what well, does the bar think it's a catch or not? And if the bar comes back, oh, yeah, that's a catch. Just go with it. Just go with it. You know, like, why? why? I mean, that was a catch. Like, I don't know what a catch is. Yeah. If that wasn't a catch, I don't know what it is. It's very confounding. It's almost like we need the Buffalo Wild Wings commercials to be reality, where we just phone in and, and let people know uh, what, what, what we should be thinking about these catches. Uh, I know Julio was up. Yeah, it was very tough. Yeah, I mean, just buzz Charlie's Bar in Summers Point, New Jersey, and just say, <laughs> okay, is that a catch, guys? And, you know, there'd be 50 guys in there. By the way, they still make they still make drinks the old-fashioned way. Like, if you get a vodka and orange juice there, it's fresh-squeezed orange juice. So, I Ooh. mean, you know, buzz that bar. You know, buzz that bar and ask them what they think. I may buzz that bar right now and just uh, and see what's going on there. <laughs> Anything else in this game, Lombardi? Because I, I do think I saw a lot of people that were, you know, they were saying that the NFL is back. This is what we expect. A lot of penalties, a lot of, you know, catch questions and catch rule debates and a lot of challenges and all the other stuff. I but mean, what do we but it did seem like a little anticlimactic for these two teams. What do we right? expect? I mean, the whole summer, we didn't even, nobody played in the summer. You know, what do we mm-hmm. expect? This, guys can't go out there and play 70 plays. I thought the fascinating thing was Atlanta's out there having more cramps. They practiced in the heat and humidity more than anybody. I mean, Jason Peters couldn't finish the whole game. No surprise there. He didn't practice all summer. I mean, he was there, but he didn't play in games. I mean, again, September is the preseason. We just got to get used to it. These are just better preseason games. They're not there yet. And for Matt Ryan, you got to hope that A, his arm comes back because it didn't look good last night, and B, he gets more comfortable. I don't think Atlanta, you know, everybody has this notion that Atlanta's great, but when Atlanta plays some of these teams that they got to beat, I don't see it happening because eventually their offense is going to have to score points and good coordinators take them away. And we should say, I mean, Matt Ryan threw the ball 43 times last night. Uh, you know, Devontae Freeman was the man that got paid. Uh, I know that they've they've discussed the idea that they want to be a balanced uh, attack with the, with the run game being involved as much as possible. But if Matt Ryan's arm, uh, you know, I mean, we saw it with you know Peyton. Uh, not not to say it's at that level, but but once you get there, you know, sometimes your the ball just doesn't have the same zip that it used to have. And if we get to that point with Matt Ryan adjustments will have to be made on that offense and how they how they want to divvy out how many times he's going to throw the ball in a football game. 
Yeah, no doubt. I just think to me, it's it it, it was it was obvious last night. Now they didn't talk about it on TV, you know, because they're too busy <laughs> talking about the Philly special. Because that's the that's the only thing that, that seems to drive the audience. But like to me, that was a real conversation, a real concern. I mean, you got to sit there and ask Chris, hey, how come he's not throwing the ball good? Now I know, you know, whatever. I'm sure Pro Football Focus, Chris owns the site. I'm sure they're going to have to give him a bad grade. But wouldn't it have been nice to know, like, why are they not? Why is he not throwing the ball so well? You know, what's it, it, going on here? And is it interesting? So, if you're the let's say you're Dimitrov and you're the G, and you're the GM of this team and you give Matt Ryan that big deal, I mean, from a GM perspective, does it concern you to to have locked up this guy, really invested once again, reinvested in Matt Ryan, obviously again, and to come out and see this in the first week, or do you take it as what we're saying? It's it's the preseason extended, so uh, don't fret too much and just move on. Well, you know, the arm's not the preseason. Maybe he just doesn't have enough, but it didn't look good. He didn't have control of the ball. And if you're Dimitrov, you got to be worried because, look, you pay to win on the road. We measure our success in the NFL by how we play on the road. That's the true test of how talented you are, especially when you're a dome team like Atlanta. You can steal wins at a dome team. You know, you got mm-hmm. crowd noise. It's hard to play. You can't hear. The opponent can't really run the ball. You can steal three or four wins playing at home in a dome. But really, you truly must evaluate your team how you play on the road. And if your road record, and if you can't beat the good teams on the road, how are you going to get there? How are you going to be able to get to the Super Bowl if you can't go into Philly and win or go into Minnesota and win or go into Green Bay and win or go out to Los Angeles and win or go up to see it? You know, there's a lot of good teams in the NFC. Can you Mm -hmm. beat those teams? And look, I'm not saying we should overreact. I'm not calling for Matt Ryan's contract to be a blown thing, but I'm saying (laughs) there's huge concerns. And the major concern you have is the same problem that you ignored. We watched the Atlanta season ended with four horrendous play calls last year in Philadelphia, and they opened their season with four horrendous play calls to end their season. I mean, he, the, the alley-oop to Julio Jones just tells you he doesn't know how to attack. I mean, when you're throwing alley-oops down there, you don't have a play. There's a reason why that's called scheme. You scheme a guy to get open. This is what the great, this is what Jalen Ramsey was talking about. Good coaches scheme it, and it just didn't happen. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep watching it. Yeah, and we should say, I mean, you know, Julio, uh, as as poetic as it was, he it, it ended the exact same way it ended the playoffs. You know, him going up for a ball where he actually makes the the, the catch itself, but obviously does not make the catch and play. Uh, it, it was right there and right on the verge of making something happen, but it just it doesn't quite work out for the Falcons. And you mentioned the NFC. Um, when you're in the NFC South and you had three teams that went to the playoffs last year, and the Saints and the Panthers, and uh, you got to you got to get these wins when you can, especially with this Eagles team who was obviously struggling to find their identity early on in this game and the Falcons weren't able to strike. Um, I should say we should pat ourselves on the back that we did not bring up run pass options, right? Oh my God, that's so ridiculous. I mean, it's just, he's obsessed with it. Uh, Collinsworth is obsessed with it. Like, he's just ridiculous. Will you stop with it? It's not the, it's not going to revolutionize football. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, you know, it's like enough, okay. You know, the rump, I mean, the Eagles couldn't, you know, I mean, they made a couple great runs. You know, that really broke the game open. But for the most part, they were, you know, the Atlanta defense was controlling the front. I mean, Sproles, what, he had five carries. Couldn't get anything going in the running game. You know, thank God they were able to make those plays and that, you know, they broke the the short yardage run. They got in there. They were able to cut the defense and get an inside zone run. That wasn't a run pass option. And then the Jai's touchdown. So, look, the Eagles know this. They won a game that they probably didn't play their best and they were able to do it. You know what I didn't realize, though, hey, Frazier, is they wore those patches. And I'm like, when would a team ever wear a patch on their jersey? And then I found out that the Patriots wore one last year. So, you know, I'll give the Eagles a pass on that one. 
Yeah, give him a pass. We'll give him a pass. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to do the usual routine where Lombardi's got five games for you to watch out for this weekend, and we're going to dive into those. So first, we're going to get a word from our sponsor. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, DirecTV. We want to stream NFL Sunday Ticket live every Sunday, even if we can't get DirecTV where we live, because we want every play, even if we don't live in a house with a satellite, because a lot of us live in apartments. I live in an apartment or on a college campus. I did live on a college campus, but we still want to stream NFL Sunday Ticket. To see if you're eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. That is R-I-N-G-E-R. Packages are also available for football fans living in areas where DirecTV service is not available. Again, promo code RINGER, R-I-N-G-E-R at checkout to save 15%. And we're also brought to you by MyBookie. People always ask me for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. Lombardi might, I do not. But if you think you know, you got to check out MyBookie. I always tell people to bet with MyBookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is very easy to use. Not to mention they have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Plus, for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So lay down some cash and win big today. You win, they pay. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code RINGERNFL when creating your account to claim up to 1000 in free play. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E and don't forget to use the promo code RINGERNFL when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you when you get paid. Is there anything harder than to move a sofa? It's very hard. I've had to move plenty of sofas in my life, couches, love seats, all the above. Burrow is changing the game with a fully customizable sofa that's easy to move and built to last. The modular design means your chair can become a love seat and your love seat can become a sofa simply by adding one seat at a time. And it's easy to move in and out of any space. Everything is personalized to you. The arm height, sofa color, leg material, and size. Burrow is the only sofa that grows with you and actually fits with your life. Let me just say this. I think that having a couch and having a chair that grows with you, I mean, it's almost sweet. It's like Toy Story 4 at this point. We're all just growing up. Get $75 off your Burrow sofa at burrow.com slash NFL. That's B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash NFL for $75 off Burrow furniture that's fit for the modern life at home. All right, and we're back, and it is week one. It is the NFL season. We are very excited about this, and uh, I'm excited, Lombardi, to get back into the world of uh, of your many picks. Uh, in the first game that we have up, we have the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills. This line has uh, it, it's jumped all over the place for a little while, but now uh, the Ravens are favored by six and a half over Nathan Peterman's Buffalo Bills. Um, if you really believe in Nathan Peterman, you may want to take that. But uh, Lombardi, what, what what really do we need to watch out for this Ravens game? Obviously Flacco, and we're going to see where he stands after the preseason and see what Peterman can do with his offense. But it, it, just overall, what are, what are we watching out for? The Ravens defense? I think the Ravens defense is good. You know, and they're young. This is early in the season. They'll play well, even though they've had those five preseason games. I think this is the kind of game where the Ravens can control the front. 
Buffalo's offensive line is not playing very well right now in the summer. And, you know, that's not going to always be a reflection of Peterman. And the receivers, can they make big plays? I, I think Baltimore is going to come out. I think this is a huge game for Baltimore. I think Baltimore comes out and plays really well. Their defense can control the pace of the game, control Shady McCoy. And then I think they're going to be able to run the ball. Look, Car- uh, Buffalo's scheme is all about creating turnovers and scoring in the red zone. If Flacco plays that way, then Buffalo has an opportunity. But I think they're going to be smart enough in the way Flacco has played this summer. I like Baltimore here. Yeah, and it, we we should say that Baltimore with Flacco, they seem like they, uh, for as much as we tend to speculate about how many games Lamar Jackson will start, uh, it does seem like Flacco right now is the guy, and it seems like he's locked in for the season. So there you go, the Ravens. We'll take the Ravens over the Bills there. Let's go to the next game. We've got the Indianapolis Colts led by, of course, former number one pick Andrew Luck. He is back, and they're going to take on... The red-hot Cincinnati Bengals. I think the Bengals have been a team that slowly over the past couple of weeks a lot of people have fallen in love with just because of what they've been able to do in the preseason with you know going up and rushing the passer. And we saw some you know big hits uh, against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in the preseason when the Bengals took them on with Geno Atkins, obviously. Uh, so we're going to see Andrew Luck, and we're going to see if he can really hold up this week because the Bengals are really going to go after him, right? Right, I think the Bengals are good. I think look at look at Andy Dalton's preseason. He you know he threw four he threw four touchdown passes. He had a hundred and thirty quarterback rating. You know he averaged over ten yards per pass attempt. And people say, Ah, Lombardi, that's preseason. Well, you know Carson Wentz had the same numbers last year, and it was preseason, and he did it in the regular season. And if that's the new Andy Dalton, then I think the Cincinnati teams you need to pay attention to since he's really good on defense. Uh, Indianapolis is going to struggle in the offensive line. Costanza, he may or may not play. Even if he plays, he hasn't played all summer. Is he going to be well enough? And does Andrew Luck have enough skill players around him? I know T.Y. Hilton's really good, but if they double Hilton, where's the ball going to go? And then when you look at Indianapolis's defense, can they hold up against a lot of things? Joe Mixon's playing really well. A.J. Green, it's a zone game. It's an easier game for AJ Green, for Andy Dalton to do. I think, I think since he's going to be a really good team, now, Marvin Lewis is on a losing streak in September. I think he changed that this year by the way they played. I think he's adapted to it. He typically before was a good coach in the preseason. In, in this, the month of September, he was on a five-game winning streak about three years ago. Now he's mm-hmm. on a four-game losing streak. I think he's going to turn that around. It, it wasn't very interesting. I felt like that Bengals team, based on the wild-card losses in the playoffs, they tried to course-correct and tried to, you know, play for the long game, play for December, play for the playoffs. And then it kind of bit them because that's not really the identity that they had under Marvin Lewis. And Marvin Lewis has this team. Uh, they probably look the most prepared as far as we're ready for real regular season NFL football uh, based on the preseason. And they are actually uh, not favored in this game. The uh, The Indianapolis Colts are favored by three. So uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are a team to definitely watch out for. Let's go to the Washington Redskins are going to go to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals are a one point favorite at home to open the season uh, this will be interesting to see what jay gruden's team will do with alex smith and uh and that whole new offense and, and see what it's like post kirk cousins uh and obviously to see the arizona cardinals under sam bradford and, and and see what's going on there with the new coach steve wilkes lombardi what do you expect to see from this game well look i think arizona is a different team when they play at home they're five and three last year at home i think the weather is going to be a factor in this game i don't think the redskins have played enough football I think they'll start fast in this game, but I think Arizona's a good team to play. They get David Johnson back. Bradford can throw the football, you know, as long as he feels protected and their offensive line can hold up. I like the Redskins' depth. 
I just don't like their overall team. They didn't play anybody this summer. Last year, they're two and six on the road. There's too many details. They've got a four-game losing streak on the road. You know, they even lost to the Giants last year on the road in week 17 of the season. So for me, you know, I worry about them on the road. I like Arizona here. I think Arizona's got a better team. I think Wilkes will be disciplined defensively. He won't give away things in Carolina like the way he played them in Carolina. You know, he's able to, to control it. I mean, Washington struggled to score. The last time Jay Gruden's team played against a Steve Wilkes Tayala defense was on 12-19-2016, and they lost 26-15. So I get the sense they'll play good. I like Arizona because they're playing at home. I know the heat and humidity isn't going to be a factor because they're going to close the dome. But I think mm-hmm. playing, playing 70 plays for this Redskins team is going to be a challenge. And we should say, I mean, this is one of those examples you mentioned earlier when talking about dome teams and they're able to win some games at home. This seems like Arizona, you know, is fortunate to have Washington come out to them uh, week one of the season and maybe, uh, you know, get ahead of things and get a nice uh, week one win. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Let's, you mentioned Carolina. Let's talk about Carolina. The Dallas Cowboys will be going to Charlotte, North Carolina. The Panthers are favored by three in this game. A lot of people are excited to see Dak versus Cam, obviously. A lot of, you know, Danos, Oikos, uh, yogurt fans out in the world that are very upset that Dak, I'm just kidding. I'm talking about myself right now at this point, but I was upset that deck took that from camp but uh this will be a fun game it'll be the yogurt bowl uh the cowboys and the panthers what are you looking for here lombardi you know this is a, this is going to be an interesting game to really figure out do the cowboys have enough skill on the on offense to make plays carolina is a good defensive team they're going to have trouble i think connor williams left guard is going to have trouble blocking short and some of these defensive linemen and are they going to be good enough to hold up and can Dak find a way to make plays is elliot's back which tremendously helps elliot's got to average over tenure elliot's got to be the todd Gurley of this offense they don't really have a tight end to control the middle of the field. So I think Carolina, what worries me in this game is Carolina's ability to protect. They're starting a brand-new left tackle in the game, a guy they just traded for from, from uh, the Detroit Lions, Robinson. So it's going to be a challenge for them to protect. But Cam can move around. I think McCaffrey's played really well in the preseason. I, I like Carolina here. I think it's going to be a really close game, though. And I will say this, uh, this is one of those games where uh, I think a lot of people, I mean, we, we got in it, even though we were talking about the preseason, I think a lot of people were overreact one way or the other. If the Cowboys come out and Zeke dominates and they and they control the clock and they beat the Panthers, a lot of people will be very high on what they expect to see from the Cowboys. And then vice versa, if the Panthers uh, have a really big game and Cam plays great, you know, people will flip, you know, on both sides of that. So it, just... Just wait, everyone. Wait till week five, and then we'll make those decisions and proclamations. All right, final game of the week. We have the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Huey, Huey Headlines and his boys uh, going to take on Todd Haley's old team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Steelers, of course, in this game are favored just by four points. So uh, that's good news for for all of the uh, the Hugh fans out there in the world. But uh, Steelers in Cleveland, at Cleveland, uh, and they'll take on the Browns. And we're going to see uh, if the Hard Knocks kids can really uh, can knock it out in week one. If the Browns are going to win a game this year, you know, I think this is one of the ones that they can win. First of all, Big Ben doesn't start out playing well. I mean, last mm-hmm. year, you know, in the pre in the in the regular season in September, when you look at Ben over the course of time, he's four and two in the preseason. Hasn't really played to the level that you think he's capable when he plays later in the season. You know, last year they struggled to beat Cleveland up there. It took a block punt to win the game. And Cleveland having Todd Haley really understands that, hey, how to attack this defense. Now, you know, Pittsburgh was number one team in the league in sacks. Cleveland's going to start a rookie at left tackle. Haley knows he's going to have to protect the left tackle. He knows how they call the game, and he knows how they do that, how they do things defensively. So it gives them an advantage. And Tyrod doesn't turn the ball over, which is a huge factor in this game. So if Cleveland's going to win one, you know, playing at home, they've got a lot of things going for them. They understand how to attack them. I think Greg Robinson, as soon as, Greg Williams, excuse me, as soon as, you know, 
people see what he does, tendencies on tape, they take advantage of him. But early in the season, this is when they actually actually play pretty good defense. Remember, in the summer, every team in September has hope, right? And so they, they play their asses off and they play hard and they expect to win in September. They don't think their season's coming to an end like they do in December. And this is one of those games where I think Cleveland can rally the forces. And I would be surprised if this wasn't a really close game. And we should say the Browns have not won an opener since 2004, uh, where they beat the Ravens. Uh, they've lost 13 straight opening days and 18 out of the last 19 since the Browns returned. I didn't mean to laugh. Uh, the first time since they returned in 1999. Um, and they've lost six straight to the Steelers. So they seem due. And I'm not, to, you know, Mike Pettin was the coach last time they did beat the Steelers. So if you were uh, a fan of the Browns and you enjoyed watching them on Hard Knocks as much as Lombardi and I did, maybe you take a chance on them in week one to get the upset. Uh, those are the five games to keep an eye on again. That's Buffalo, Baltimore, Indy, Cincy, Washington, Arizona, Dallas, Carolina, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Uh, is there anything else, Lombardi, just uh, across the NFL you're, you're going to keep an eye on in week one? You know, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking for the Rams-Raider game. I, you know, it's hard to figure out how that's going to go. So many teams not playing their players in the preseason. I think this. I think if I was a betting man, I would be very careful. I would give it a couple weeks to see where these teams were before I would put serious cash down on teams because you just don't know in the summer. You know, one thing that happens in the opening day weekend games, special teams is a huge factor. Teams try fake punts, fake field goals. They do something unique. And I think you could just see last night, People are going to take the same approach that the Eagles had, which go for it on fourth down when Dan Quinn went for that on fourth and one at his own one-yard line on the first drive of the game. So the unpredictability of everybody at this time of the year doesn't mean your team's good. It just means your team has caught the other team off guard. And I would favor coaches, and I would favor coaches that have knowledge of the opponent's team of what's going on, like Deshaun Watson against Philadelphia, against New England. That's going to be a great game. Deshaun scored 210 points. In just seven games last year, he averaged over 30 in all his starts. Remarkable. Can they do that? Can he do that again this year? We'll see. I think it's going to be a great weekend. And what a reaction we'll get if Deshaun Watson lights up the Patriots, because then it'll be known that Deshaun Watson uh, has taken down Nick Saban and then taken down Bill Belichick. And I can only <laughs> wait for how people will respond to that. Uh, one game I wanted people to keep an eye on is the Seattle Seahawks. They're going to Denver. Denver's favored uh, two and a half at home. Russell Wilson going up against Bradley Chubb. Uh, I really like in Von Miller, of course. Uh, I, I want to see what that O-line looks like for the Seahawks. And I want to see what that defense looks like for the Broncos. So that's one game I'm going to keep an eye on as well. Me too, Tate Frazier. I, like, I don't know what to make of Seattle. I thought they were much better this summer. I'm not sure they're great on defense, but I like Seattle. I think they're much better. I don't, I don't really like De- Denver's team based on what I've seen this summer. Are they mm-hmm. good enough on defense? I don't know. Do they have enough corners to cover? I don't know. That remains to be seen. Yeah, and we'll see if uh, Russell Wilson is back in uh, you know top-tier form this year, and uh, most people expect him to be. That's what's coming out of camp, so we'll keep an eye on that. Also, the Kansas City Chiefs and the L.A. Chargers, a team that Phillip Rivers has had a tough time with uh, the past couple of seasons. No Marcus Peters there anymore, so it'll be interesting to see if the Chargers uh, will live up to the hype. They're favored by three and a half at home. Uh, we will keep an eye on all this stuff, and uh, we are very excited for the first week of the NFL season. We are going to be talking about all things uh, week one on Tuesday, of course, and, and we'll knock all this stuff out and get you all caught up on all the news and storylines and headlines and, and all the above uh, in the NFL world. Uh, Lombardi, anything else before we get out of here? No, I'm looking forward to it, Tate. Have a great weekend. Yes, sir. You too. Good luck with the TED Talk. Hey, man, appreciate it. Thanks again to Sonos. Meet Sonos Beam, the smart, compact soundbar for your TV. Beam lets you play everything you love, from music and radio to movies, TV, podcasts, and more. 
all with that rich sound that fills the room. It's super simple to set up, but if you don't even want to bother, Sonos will send someone to do it for you. That's right. If you live in any major metropolitan area, Up and Running will have a Sonos expert deliver and set up your system absolutely free. Just order from Sonos.com and select Up and Running at checkout if you qualify. Again, that is Sonos.com. Select Up and Running at checkout if you qualify. Thanks again for listening to GM Street. We'll see you on Tuesday.